it is the 14th of June, Janet Anscombe, the last yes, week of school for most for kids going to public school here that I know. And I think some private schools have finished already. Janet Anscombe in the mountains, Cleo O'Flynn in a decade. Can you believe we've come to the end of a school year? It is hard to do it, but a week today is the summer solstice. I don't know where the last 15 months have gone since March 2020. It's all beaten March. It's yeah. just speaking to my dad on the phone and we've said it here, like, again, when we talk about last year, we kind of mean 2019. Exactly that. Yes. That, well, this is the last time anything really happened. If Even if you're thinking of Eurovision, for example, the last time it happened was 2019. Yeah, or football. Or anything that happened in 2020 seems to me to have been a little bit of an oddity. You know, we'll do it like this this year because everything's up in the air. Mm. So it wasn't really a normal thing that happened last year, even for those things that did continue through. But yeah, it feels like 2019, 2021. Isn't it funny how the year of perfect vision hasn't appeared at all? <laughs> but I mean... It will be remember. It'll be an easy year to remember. I mean, that's the thing. When when they look back, hopefully it'll just be twenty twenty. Because hopefully, is that the word of the year? Hopefully, hopefully we, we'll have emerged in a way from this. By, I mean, before the end of twenty twenty changes to two, we we can close a chapter. I mean, I hope so. Um, but I, so, but you know the way things are looking. I. Yeah. I do wonder. I, I really do wonder. Yeah. Yeah. You know, th this is um, an ongoing situation. And I think that one of the, perhaps one of the most sane things we can do for our own mental health, going back to that subject, is, is actually stop wondering when it's all going to be over, because I don't think it is all going to be over. I think we have to become accustomed to the fact that this is the way life is now. and We can make yeah. good things out of this. Yeah. And how how we do that is perhaps more productive than when will we be able to go back to what we used to do before? No. And I, I think that's the way I'm looking at it now. Well, how can we move forward within this scenario rather we've than said, when can we go back? Yeah. We've said this before that, I mean, yeah. like the new normal became bandied about. It's a bit trite as a, as a phrase now. But yes, like there's also there's no point in going back or trying to go back. We want to no. move on. And I mean, most experts there's so many experts around these days from epidemiologies to doctors to virologies to but I mean very few people are now saying that this will ever be eliminated um and I mean again <laughs> listening to a discussion yesterday they're saying vaccinate everyone or as many people as possible to deal with the next variant because we've only had three or four so far and there's going to be a lot more exactly and of course each variant then comes they have to ascertain if it is um, resistant to the vaccines that are available and then they have to tweak those or even find a new vaccine for we, we have to move forward and, and live in a covid world and yeah, yeah. How, how we do that if that means masks and distancing well so be it I, I tell you some of the events I have been to over the last 15 months have been very small social gatherings with close friends and they have had more meaning because it is now not something we take for granted. True. So I think we can make we can make a new world, a very positive new world in this, but we have to recognize that's what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. I it, think. It, it's so true. And I mean, 
I was again listening to to another discussion yesterday. The question was asked: Is the only virus that we have completely eliminated in the last one hundred years smallpox? I mean, is that it? There are, is there another virus that the world of medicine and science have managed to eliminate or eradicate completely? And I don't think there is. It's just Not, almost impossible. Yeah. Smallpox is, I think, one of the the only or one of the only ones. I'm not sure about polio. I don't know about polio. Maybe yeah, polio but I, as well. I think but... there are still, I mean, are there not still, you know, campaigns happening in, in certain parts of the developing world for polio is still a danger or a, a possibility? Possibly so, possibly so. Yeah. I know that I've seen the Lions yeah. have polio campaigns and stuff like that still running. So, in, so I mean, in which the case point it's still going. That, yeah. Exactly. But the point we being that this won't things. go away. It's not, it can't be yeah. eradicated completely. Um, it's like TB, isn't it? When you think of it, when I was about 14, I think they had this campaign when I was in school, they probably do it with all children. I, I know my, I'm sure uh, children had the vaccine for TB, but now it, it's an emerging, re-emerging problem in American jails, for example, okay. where people are gathered together. Yeah. And yeah. our measles in the States, because we, there was such a huge anti-vax um, exactly. movement over the last well like the current generation of parents that measles started to become uh, very apparent again in certain parts of the states and people it, think it's a harmless virus but it's not it's not um, and when children get and it is not under control as when it is a re-emergent virus it's not under control when, that is when children are most at risk and yeah, children yeah. can die with measles but doesn't that just show that when you have a reaction against scaremongering of vaccines measles is re-emergent children die it shows the power of a vaccine yeah, it shows it how important the vaccines are yeah. and they can save lives they do save lives they do eradicate in some cases viruses and until they eradicate this one if they ever do, we have to live with it. Yeah. And how we do that is entirely down to us. Yeah. And I mean, I again, what we don't do on this podcast is, while we talk positively about the vaccine, we, we don't go through theories and, you know, the science behind vaccines. Neither of us are scientists. Um, Point, neither pointless. Of us are doctors. We, we don't know. No. But, we put but our I faith also in... don't know what's in the flu vaccine that I've taken every year. Um, no. We, we put our faith in science and, and yeah. we can justify doing that because we evaluate and value education and professional qualification yeah. and Western medicine. And if people don't, that's fine. They're entitled to do that. But we do. And that is why we support the vaccine program. We don't yeah, need them to go into the science of it because we aren't qualified to do so. Yeah, And we both had, anyway. had jab one. Have you had jab two yet, Janet Anscombe? It's no, it's it's um, in eight days' time. Okay, so um, the other, speaking of that and jabs and stuff, is one thing I wanted to mention because it is not easy. Uh, there was a lot of kind of chatter on Facebook and elsewhere about how to get your digital certificate, which you can yes. get for travel. Um, now I know. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, uh, generally it's going to be accepted in some European countries, up to eight European countries, Spain already, um, now and from the 1st of July. I mean, I think in Ireland it's going to be the 19th of July before they will have all the kind of technical bits in place at the airports to accept it. Yes. So people were asking, how do I get it? Okay, 
So I consider myself fairly okay in Spanish and in technology. I am not a whiz kid and it took me a long time to do it. So it's not easy. I will say that first off. You need, there's an app called, there's a a page called Mi Historia, all one word, M-I-H-I-S-T-O-R-I-A. Now you will need to have a digital certificate to make it easier. If not, if not, go to the page and it's in Spanish, get someone to take you through it, but you will probably need to go to your local health center and they will give you a code. You'll need a code, a password, which once you have installed into your phone, you then get a page, which I now have, which opens up and it shows me every vaccination I've ever had here. I mean, for the last 15 years since I've been on the health system, um, my, my current you know, any hospital reports I've had, any CITAS appointments that I have coming up. So it's all there. And your full medical history is now available to you on your app, on your phone. And there is also a section where you can download your green certificate. Obviously, I've only had one vaccine, so I'm not going to do it yet. It's difficult. It's a bit of a trial and error thing to do it. And the first day, the pages were saturated. So I had to go back three times before I could do it and there are lots of different passes you need to click on something verify that and then go back to fate part two and like i say it's it's difficult yeah. but yeah. once My- it's done anything like this with the spanish may make it very very difficult for you to upload these things and you have to verify who you are a thousand times but once it's done it is then safely installed on your phone and you all you i mean i just use a fingerprint now to open it Yes. Um, so I would say I that. think there are various ways of various ways of getting it, aren't there? You you either go to the Miastoria website mm-hmm. on, on a computer, yeah. or there is an app that you can download to a mobile phone and you can you can access it either by a clave or a digital certificate on the computer or a code supplied by the, the surgery. Now the only people who won't be able to do that are private patients because they won't be, they will only have a temporary registration in the health system. Mm-hmm. And all vaccinations which are being um, administered through regional health departments, all regional health departments keep a patient's vaccination records. This is why you can get this through the Me Historia app or website because mm-hmm. because the region of Sanidad Canarias keeps a record of every vaccination any patient registered with it has. Now the problem for private patients is going to be that they aren't registered. There is no history for them in the Canarian Health Service. So they're going to have to go to the doctors anyway. So mm-hmm. the doctor, the surgery where they've registered with their temporary registration for the purposes of vaccines, they will be able to get the certificate as can you or I as yeah. in the system, yeah. we could, as an alternative to doing it on a computer or via the app, we could actually just go and make an appointment, see the doctor and get a certificate exactly. after surgery. Exactly. Um, the only reason for having one, as far as I'm aware, though, is for Probably. proof of having had one for yeah. travel. And yeah. so I, I shall not be bothering to go and get a certificate yeah, for well, myself I mean, because I have no intention of traveling. I'm hoping to at the end of the summer. Um, and and it's just the important point you're making too, and it's just to clarify, private patients who, and you know, hopefully we help some of them get onto the system to get the vaccination. Yes. Um, it's just important to remember that what you signed a form, because I know I helped a couple of people do it, 
giving the health service permission to include your data in their database as having registered as a temporary individual who needed vaccination. So it doesn't mean that you are now in the health system, but it means that your data has been registered as somebody who is using the health system to get their vaccination, which is why they can then give you the certificate. And the important thing is they need those statistics for nationwide analysis of how the vaccination program has gone so it's the regional health authority needs to have the figures of who it's vaccinated to supply to a central database and they're not using Um, the data for anything else they're not using the data for anything else other than analysis of how the vaccination program has gone Mm -hmm. and of course you will be annotated as having a particular vaccine and they are following obviously, how people react to the vaccine. So yeah. this information is for medical purposes. It, it's not right. for any other. Yeah. yeah. I I still haven't decided. Did I mention that I, I'm being given the Pfizer for the second dose? Yes, you did. You and did. I haven't decided yet you... what I'm doing. <laughs> I, I wouldn't know if they gave me the choice. I must admit, I wouldn't know what to do. I, I won't have the choice. And I, I, I suppose in a way it makes it easier. Then I just go along and they yeah. just give me what I, you know, what, yeah. what they want to give it's me, like which will be the AZ. But we'll see. Oh. I will find out. I still have about a month to go before I have to make the decision. <laughs> right. Um, the next thing we're going to talk about, anybody who's listening, if they're listening in the car, if they're listening at home on a computer and there are children nearby or people of a sensitive nature just to warn you we want to talk about what is making international headlines at the moment which is the a very sad case indeed so let's just pause for one second in case somebody wants to turn off the radio or change where they're listening to this right so this is the case that has been consuming the headlines for the last, I suppose, t- since the 27th of April, I think, Janet. It's um, about a month. It's, yeah. it's over yes. a month since two young yeah. children went missing from their home in Santa Cruz, Anna and Olivia, six and one. Um, Olivia, six, Anna's one. Their mother is Beatrice Zimmerman. And the two children were having dinner with their father, who separated from their mother, as had been arranged. Um, And then when she went to pick them up, they weren't there. And after a series of phone calls, she got a call from the father to say they were safe, but she would never see them again. And there was loads of different clues and breadcrumbs and trails that seemed to be left that maybe he had taken them in a boat. Maybe he had, you know, paid to meet up with a larger yacht that was going to take them from the coast, from the waters of Santa Cruz over to South America or to another island or fly them in disguise to somewhere else in the world. He had taken money out of his bank account and his boat was found, but there were only a few little clues left there. And people were searching and searching and searching and hoped for good news. And there was a glimmer of hope the whole time. But then last Friday or Thursday, They brought in a very specialized boat, a sonar equipped with underwater sonar equipment. And late last week, they found a sports bag uh, on the seabed with the body of six-year-old Olivia. And it's all been confirmed it is her. So they are now treating this not simply as, as a double homicide because there was a second empty bag beside Olivia. So I am assuming they're assuming that 
there was a second body in that bag. But this is now openly acknowledged as, as a form, a horrible, horrific form of what's known as vicarious violence or domestic <laughs> violence, uh, which Janet is, is a newish term to me, but it seems to be one that is accepted in legal terms as well as kind of in, in terms of the police investigation, yeah? That's right. When, when a man kills his own children, it is legally patricide. Um, it, well, actually, that is parasite, not patricide. That would be killing a father. But, but they call it vicarious violence rather, as a form of male violence, violencia machista. Mm -hmm. So rather than, because if a man kills his children because he hates his own children or wants to secure his own position, this is, this is a, a, a feature through many myths. Zeus, for example, ate his own children because he felt they were going, because fate had said they would overpower him if he did not. That is parricide, clearly. The okay. father is killing the children. In such a case as we assume this is, Tomas Jimeno, if he is in fact the killer of Olivia and possibly also Anna, then he is not doing it because he hates them or because mm -hmm. he is afraid of them. He is doing it for one reason, and that is to hurt their mother, his ex-partner Beatrice. Therefore, it isn't, he's not killing them, he is wounding her. He's essentially yeah. trying to kill her by damaging the children. And that is why vicarious violence is now the term given when a man does that to the children, because he's not trying to hurt them, he is hurting them, but he's only doing it indirectly to hurt the mother. Yeah. And therefore it is a form of male violence. And, and one thing I have noticed, not only is this nomenclature now being openly used by Pedro Sanchez himself, mm -hmm. but we have moved in the last year, there, there is an increasing sense of fury in Spain, I, I get this clear impression, there's an increasing sense of absolute fury, not just anger anymore, in, in the fact that this is continuing, and now even with children being killed yeah. to hurt the mother, that we are no longer talking about violencia de género. This was the standard term over the past, I don't know how gender many Gender or domestic gender, violence. Gender violence. It, it, it is used, or it has historically been used, when a person of one sex assaults and harms the person of another. So it's a gender cross. On ba the basis of their sex. I mean, On the basis of their sex. So gender, but yeah. It, but although, I mean, we've had this so many times and, and nobody is taking this nonsense anymore. Women can be violent too. Yes, of yeah. course we can. Yes, of course. We are, as a species, human beings and humans are primates. Mm -hmm. We are apes like gorillas and chimps. And, and we have instincts. Orangutans and we have instincts and hormones and we can tear people's heads off if we need to. But this doesn't mean that if a woman slaps a man, he's going to die because of it. Whereas in domestic violence cases where there are mortal victims, they are virtually unanimously men attacking women to the point where they die. Yeah. Or in this case, attacking their children is, I, to the point where you kill, the, how someone can kill a child, I do not know. No, and no. how someone could kill their own child is, even less comprehensible if that's possible. 
One thing I would say is that at the moment there is a priest in Gran Canaria who is on the receiving end of the public prosecutor's attention because he has suggested that if the mother had not been, in his words, unfaithful, Thomas wouldn't have killed his children. So I think it's important to say that this, if you read this or hear this, obviously it's bonkers. Yeah. Obviously it's chauvinism and obviously it's, it's a ridiculous, horrendous thing to say. But if you come across this, don't worry about it because this is one priest's view yeah. and he is likely to be prosecuted. And not only is the Grand Canary Cabildo thinking of prosecuting him, as well as the public prosecutor in its own name, they're also investigating whether it can be viewed as a form of hate crime. They're perfect. I mean, so maybe that sounds extreme actually, to some people, but it's I hate don't think speech. it is. I mean, it's hate speech. The, one of the things that happened over the weekend was because the body of young Olivia was found and the legal... I mean, again, you can correct me on, on my interpretation of this, but that legally the case was moved into a court of domestic violence. Spain are quite specific about what kind of a case something becomes and therefore how it can be covered and dealt with by the press, what information can be made public. And I mean, today in, in the El País paper in, in English, there's a very detailed um, timeline because the details are now allowed to be made public because this is a case of domestic violence and that Thomas is now being sought in connection with two murders. I mean, basically. Yes. And it looks like the two children, they believe, were killed on April the 27th on the, the very finca. day at the Finca, at not the at finca. sea, and that he put them into a car. Uh, I mean, again, I, we don't need details, but that part of his torture was saying to the mother, you will never see them again but allowing her to believe that they were alive. So that yes. he didn't just kill the children, he was mentally controlling her, uh, controlling the situation, controlling her state yes. of, of emotion. Um, yes. So, I mean, and, and all also, this... also storing up pain for when she goes over these yeah. events in the future, she will never be able to review this no. without feeling that again. Yeah. It's an added torture to something that is already unimaginably yeah. and I mean, unbearable. People say, were there no signs? No, there don't appear to have been signs. They had, they had a, a non-judicial separation agreement. I think, you know, the custody of the children was something that was agreed informally between the pair of them, which is something that so many people have in place, you know, something I, I had in place. My daughter is nearly grown up now, but it worked perfectly well and amicably. Um, and so, the, but there were no red lights, there were no flags going up. There had been, from what I believe, there hadn't been any prior indication that this was the kind of thing that was going to happen. We don't know if he has taken his own life. There is some speculation that he will have, or if he has gone, escaped, left, fled. Did he take money out of an account or not? Um, but all the indications are that this was done with the clear and present intention of torturing his wife through murdering his own children and it, it's quite yeah. incomprehensible to most of us how it I is mean, that's there, absolutely was, so. there was a case in ireland a couple of weeks ago in court um and another extremely sad case of a mother i think about a year and a half ago murdered her own three children um and then tried to kill herself but she believed she was found not guilty by reasons of insanity and she is now in a mental institution because she believed that what she was doing was for the children's benefit. She, but she didn't try to hide it and she didn't 
she did it in the home, you know, yes. and she had been seeing a psychiatrist and she had been under some mental health care. And I mean, one of the things her husband has now said publicly is if there had been more information passed to him about the state of his wife and about the danger that she might pose to her own children, he wouldn't have left her in charge of them. But I mean, so that is a yes. whole other argument about That's a whole other thing about confidentiality <clears throat> yes. in cases where a person who is ill might be putting others at risk um and there are um, you know we are not saying that everybody who does this does it out of this kind of rationale or from this kind of base of of torture and domestic violence so it's not every case is not the same but this case appears to be a clear example of that it it does the investigation at the moment is as, as you say the the Initial secrecy has been lifted because this is now being treated as a, as a case of, but we must remember that it is a case being investigated. There is, no, there is no determination yet as to what has happened. All we have is a scenario where a number of false trails appear to have been laid, where one child's body has been found and where another child and the father are missing. That is all we can actually say for certain at this very moment. There is also speculation that as there was a lot of talk early on in the investigation, as Angel Torres said yesterday, the president of the Canaries, the, we, we spent a month hoping for the best and we got the worst possible news. Yeah. In, in that month, the reason we were hoping for the best was because there was a series of false trails led yeah. that you know there was talk about the father having um contacts in peru in south america that maybe he was going to sail to the caribbean that there were accomplices that he took a lot of money out of the bank that there were bags full of clothes which now it appears could have been his bags. daughter's body yeah <clears throat> in those bags but maybe there were clothes if there was an accomplice one has to wonder and the investigation is wondering if there was an accomplice, where is that accomplice? Mm. Where is all this money? Yeah, I mean, is, there was, was, talk was of Thomas seventy thousand euros being exactly. taken out of an account? Were the children and Thomas himself perhaps killed by an accomplice? That is one strand of an investigation for They're the money. Any, for the money, they're not ruling anything out right now. But the, obviously, the main hypothesis mm -hmm. is that Thomas killed his daughters and in order to hurt Beatrice and probably killed himself as well. And so now it is a case of finding Anna's body and his, if this is what happened, but obviously the investigation remains open. The, the sonar boat at the moment, the Angeles um, Alvarino, that is in back in Santa Cruz Harbor. The official reason given is that there is a repair needed to it. But they spend days going over the zone in the sea where they found Olivia's body. Mm -hmm. And as you say, her body was found in one of the two sports bags that were found together. Both of them were weighted down by an anchor. Mm -hmm. One of the anchors was the one that was missing from day one. Do you remember we, we had Thomas's boat? It was adrift. Drifting. And we said, where, where's the anchor? Mm -hmm. well, now we know yeah. where that anchor yeah. was. It was waiting down this sports bag. Was the second bag and the second anchor just another false trail? Who knows? Don't, let's not forget that when the Angeles Alvarino was in Santa Cruz Harbor, it found a duvet cover and an oxygen bottle exactly. in the harbor. So 
could that second sports bag be a false trail? Could, Who knows? Could, could this boat be now back in the harbour? Because in reality, there's no repair, but they're dredging the harbour, maybe to find Anna. And All Thomas. we know is that, and, and then Thomas himself, if his body, okay, then they have to consider, did he kill himself or did someone kill him mm. as well? Mm. There, there, this is an investigation that has a long way to go. And I can only sympathize with the investigators because how do you, it's like we were saying before we started recording, when one's dealing with this sort of thing, it, it does color your daily life, doesn't yeah. it? It's very yeah. hard. It's very hard to take your shoes off and shake it all off and go home and no. see your own children. But but also, I think, I mean, this case has made international headlines. There have been demonstrations all over uh, Spain uh, in support or, or to show support for Beatrice, their mother. I mean, the Spanish prime minister was one of the first to, to you know, publicly say he had no words to describe the horror he felt. But also, Tenerife's a small island. Um, and I mean, I know someone who knows someone who knew them, who was their crash teacher for the two girls. You know, we are a small community. Um, right. It's quite likely that somebody who's listening to us might have a contact who knew one member of the family. So and it just it. I mean, I was swimming yesterday in the waters very close to where the body of a six year old was was placed. Yes. It doesn't bear thinking about, but we live on this island. And like you said at the start of our discussion, you know, um, gender violence, domestic violence has been a big problem in Spain for many years. Ever since I moved here, I remember one of the first few years I lived here, there was a, a murder of a woman at the hands of her partner, ex-partner for every week of the year. And that was, you know, in 2001 or 2002. That's just not acceptable. No, it isn't it, acceptable. And it is something that Spain has acknowledged it has to deal with and, and is a problem that seems to be running throughout Spanish society. I mean, there was another case in, in the mainland as well about a young girl who was, was murdered by her partner. Sanchez himself uh, referenced that when he, when he spoke to Beatrice directly, um, publicly, and said that he and his family couldn't imagine the pain and he sent solidarity. Like, you know, these words are formulaic because nobody knows what the hell can you say? No. What can you nothing. say? You have to say something, well, but we have no words for this. That's exactly but, what our mayor said. There are no words. Yes. And Sanchez, in that statement, referenced Rocio, who was a 17-year-old from yep. Seville, who'd got rid of her boyfriend because he demonstrated certain aspects of his character that she didn't like. And so he killed her. Yeah. And obviously the aspects of the character she didn't like, she had jolly good reason for not liking. But, and he reacted as so many men in Spain and elsewhere seem to. And I get the impression, how many times have we had the, you know, the moments, minutes silence and the purple ribbon and the purple banners. There's an increasing sense of enough of this yeah. you know the, yeah. let, let's not call it gender violence let's call it what it is men murdering women yeah yeah men who can't control their emotions murdering their women and in some cases their children yeah. just to get back at their women and enough already basta ya they yeah. say they enough, already. enough already enough yeah i mean if you want we could 
talk of, we could go further. I, I think there is a, another thread running here, which is about a, a more macho attitude in general, perhaps in Spanish courts too. I mean, we had the case a couple of years ago of the pack who raped I think that's, that yeah. is a topic for a whole podcast, yeah. actually. But I, I think yeah. it's relevant that, you know, even still in many courts in Spain, um, violence, not murder, but violence against women, which can you know be sexual violence or violence within a marriage, is still being dismissed as not hugely worthy of judicial attention by certain judges. But the fact that it's, that's tolerated, yes. I just find horrific. Yeah, yes, it is, and it is certain judges clearly who have a particular view that is perhaps increasingly. Hopefully, hopefully, yeah. Um, yes, but it is also the case that judges are, the law itself is constrained by legislation. The legislation provides a framework yeah. with, for the law to operate within. And the law in Spain has had a very odd view of, let's say rape as, as a crime, that if it's not accompanied by actual physical violence, it is merely violation, sexual assault rather than rape. And where I see hope, and and okay, it's grasping at straws. I acknowledge fully that it's grasping at straws, but I mean, straws are there and we grasp at them because what else can you do? The the things are changing. They are glacially slow in changing. But there is an increasing sense of fury that minute silences are no longer enough. We have to make a bit of bloody noise about this rather than stand there silently. A minute silent, no. A minute shouting our heads off saying, basta, yeah, enough already. Mm. The nomenclature is changing. We've gone from violencia de género to violencia machista. Now we've got violencia vicaria. And Spain is already now investigating potential changes to sexual assault legislation. Which has so, to that, so the violence is not needed to classify a case as rape. Mm-hmm. And, and the importance of that is that the sentencing power a judge has is increased if a crime is rape yeah. over if it's just violation yeah. or, or just sexual assault. Yeah. It's not a case of all judges just dismiss this as unimportant. Some do, but the majority would like to impose heavier sentences, but without without the legislative power, they can't do that. All right. And and that's I sense a change, a shift to an increasing acceptance that so many, too many men are just out of control and, and need and to this learn needs to change. And it needs to change. And they need to learn to control themselves. Yes. Yes. On that note, on that note, we must say goodbye. Sorry to everybody who's been listening that we have had such a heavy discussion today. But it, we, I can't we, find a funny way to end this. No, I can't I'm, find a way talked, to bring this back. We talked about it before we pressed the record button and we thought yeah. we can't not discuss this today. No, there is no way of ending this on a, on a, ha- no. on a slightly positive note maybe, but not on a happy note. This no. is tragic and terrible and... Well, there are no words. There, there are just no words. All we can hope is that those little girls' terror, fear, and hopefully no pain 
was as brief as it could possibly be, given the horrendous nature of their death. Absolutely, absolutely. Listen, Janet, um, what I can do before we go is, if it's okay, I want to mention some people who uh, did hear good news this weekend. And oh, that's four, a good idea. They are that's four British idea. people who yes. were named in the Queen's Honours list. What a good idea, yes. And uh, we hope to be speaking to one of them next week. So we Anne Hernandez, yes. Anne Hernandez. So Michael Harris, Anne Hernandez, Debbie Williams and Sue Wilson. Wilson, yes. All are named in the Queen's Honours List. And I think they've all got MBEs, have they? Like yourself. Yes, they have all got MBEs. And I make no apologies for saying that we have all got our MBEs for helping the Brits despite Brexit and... <laughs> Not to spite, despite. <laughs> yes, we would have spited Brexit if we could have, but we couldn't, so we helped instead. And congratulations, Sue, Debbie, Michael and Anne. All well done, of all of you. All four of you so deserve your oh, MBEs. I know, I know what you've been through the last four years and yeah. you deserve... You deserve this award. Okay, you really so do. we are hoping that Anne Hernandez joins us next week. I will be I utterly so. outclassed and outranked because I will be without a title joined by two MBs. I think I'll just probably operate the, the sound volume button and stay in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Clear, one thing you will never be is outclassed. Oh, thank you, Janet. Anne's going to be. All right. Well, hopefully Anne will be with us next week. But until then, I'm glad we found some something slightly more positive to leave you with. Yes. And well I done for that. Hope you've enjoyed Canary Cast. We'll talk to you next week. Bye, Bye everybody. Bye.